You are listening to sermons from the pulpit of the Bible Baptist Church in Marysville, California. We hope you will be blessed as you listen to another practical message. Thank you so much. The song there, the, the message there was purify the church. And the reason is for the sake of the gospel. There's a mission that we are on. We're on a mission. And with that, there's opposition to the mission. And sometimes there's purification processes that have to go on. And sometimes people have to be removed from the church. Don't get quiet on me. That's a reality. And it's a reality because the church has to be protected. Amen. That's, that's Bible. Now, the reality is you, we, you want restoration. But the scorners... The critics, the dividers, they have, they have to be removed from the church. Amen. And with that, being removed from the church then helps them to sense their need of what they've missed, the mistakes they've made, so they can get it right and come back in. Restoration is always the purpose in correction that's that's the the purpose of it is restoration but you know you think about the apostle paul uh he he called people out alexander the coppersmith he hath done me much harm what was it there was an individual that was attacking the preacher and paul called him out uh and you know uh there we live in a day with facebook and social media and there's all kinds of oppositions that go on. And, you know, reality is we, we can't, for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of the mission, you can't ignore it. And spiritual people act spiritually. Carnal people act carnally. Ye shall know them by their works. Amen. All right. That isn't my message tonight, but it's a good one. It's a good one. And the reality is there is coming a day if some stuff doesn't stop online, some people are getting called out. Amen. All right. Good. I love you. But at the same time, for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of the ministry... I'm not going to let things continue. Amen. Acts chapter number 1 and verse number 4. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me, for John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. And here what we find is the Lord has uh, given them some direction. He has gone back to heaven, uh, and with his going back to heaven, after uh, showing himself for above 40 days, now he is giving them some final instructions, and he tells them that uh, the Holy Spirit is going to come, and they are going to uh, be baptized with 
the Holy Ghost. Uh, this morning, we were, uh, just everybody was heading out. Jenny stopped me and said, Pastor, uh, what's this verse mean about baptism of the Holy Ghost? And so anyway, uh, she didn't know that that's what I was going to be speaking on tonight. Uh, but here he says, For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. But you go back up to verse 4. He tells them, but wait for the promise of the Father. Wait for the promise of the Father. Now, when we look at this and we think about waiting, waiting is very hard. Waiting is hard. We feel like we have to do something. We feel like we have to jump in and fix things. And here the Lord said, I want you to go back to Jerusalem. They're on the Mount of Olives. Go back to Jerusalem and wait. Is everybody okay tonight? All right. Tonight I want to speak to you on the subject, wait, but don't stop. Wait. But don't stop. And let's pray. Father, I do pray that you'd bless now this time. Give us uh, your anointing. I pray that you would just meet needs that each and every one of us have. And I pray that you would just give great uh, uh, guidance, please, for Christ's sake. Amen. I want you to see several things here out of this passage of Scripture. And we'll run through the book of Acts here, chapter number 1, and look at many other verses. In Acts chapter 1, verse number 4, And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. So first of all, what we find is that there was admonition for them first and foremost that they were commanded to do something. There was a command. There was an expectation that they were going to have to do something. And, and this command, uh, this doing something, uh, it was called obedience. First of all, obedience is expected. God wants us to wait on Him but not stop. We are still to be obedient to him no matter what the situation is. Uh, he said, I want you to wait for the promise. Uh, what was the promise? Verse number five, uh, for John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. And so uh, here uh, he said uh, that they were to wait for the promise of the Father. Now, uh, the Holy Spirit, uh, the promise that was given was the Holy Spirit of God. And here, as the Holy Spirit was, uh, was promised, they then were supposed to go and wait for the appearing of the Holy Spirit in their life. They were to receive the promise. God had promised that he was going to send the Holy Spirit, and they were to wait until that that promise 
promise was received. Now, uh, verse number 8, Acts 1.8, he said, But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. So uh, the Holy Spirit was going to become uh, coming, and they were going to receive power of the Holy Spirit. Now, as believers, go, to, go in your Bible, 1 Corinthians chapter number 6, as believers in the New Testament, uh, you and I, the Holy Spirit has already come. Our body now is the temple of the Holy Spirit of God. And so here when he was talking about the coming of the Holy Spirit of God, uh, the believers up to this point were not uh, filled with the Spirit. And, and so uh, here we have the Holy Spirit coming. Uh, in 1 Corinthians 6, look with me at verse 19 and 20. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. So just like God had, had dwelled in the temple when he had dwelled, his presence dwelled in the tabernacle, and then he dwelled in the temple, now in the New Testament, the body of the believer is the temple of the Holy Spirit of God. And he said, your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. That's why we are to take care of our body. That's where we are not to do things to injure our body. That's why as believers, there are things that we abstain from that are injurious to our body uh, that uh, we, would, we would not do. Uh, why is it that I don't smoke? Why is it that I don't drink? Why is it that I don't use drugs? Uh, I don't do those things because my body is not mine. My body is God's temple. It's the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so I want to take care of the temple that God has has given to me, uh, so the temple uh, will not be defiled. And he said, for you're bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. And so, so here, you and I, as saved believers, uh, the, the Spirit of God dwells inside you. When, when you got saved, according to Ephesians, he, the Bible tells us that we are sealed with the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost dwells within the heart of the believer. And so with that, he's indwelling. Uh, he is enabling. Uh, but he's not just indwelling and enabling. He is also the one to empower. He is the one that is to empower us. Uh, and that's where we look at the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Now, uh, in 1855, uh, a young man was born again. And he gave his life. To the Lord. His name was D.L. Moody. Now, D.L. Moody, when he got saved, he got saved. And when he got saved, uh, he had heard he heard someone say, "The world has yet to see what a uh, what God can do with a man that is wholly submitted to Him." And D.L. Moody said, "By God's grace, I'll be that man." And he was one that was used uh, just. Uh, miraculously. Uh, and we're talking in the days of uh, horse and buggy and wagon. Uh, in Chicago, he started the, the Sunday school. Uh, the Sunday school program was started by D.L. Moody. He is the one that uh, really uh, took that off. And, and with that, D.L. Moody, as he was uh, investing in those uh, Chicago children, and uh, he would run wagons. 
uh, to pick up the kids and bring them to Sunday school. He had the largest Sunday school uh, in the nation there in Chicago. And, and his church was a, a good-sized church. And as, as he was uh, preaching and he was going to different places, uh, he was finishing up some services. And, and as he finished up a service, there was two senior ladies that were sitting there. And uh, one of them was Mrs. Cole. And then there was somebody else uh, that was there as well. And, uh, but anyway, uh, they were, these two senior ladies were there. And as D.L. Moody was leaving uh, and they were, they were passing, uh, these two ladies said, we're praying for you. And D.L. Moody was like, he was baffled by this. Why are you praying for me? And the next service, the exact same thing. These two ladies walked past him. Uh, we're praying for you. And, and he had been mulling over that statement. Why are they praying for me? And so his retort came back. Don't pray for me. Pray for sinners. Pray for people to get saved. And, and this went on over and over and over again. And finally, uh, he called these two ladies aside and he said, uh, Why are you praying for me? And they said, we're praying for the Holy Spirit of God to anoint you. D.O. Moody became consumed with that thought. And he had heard of the indwelling of the Spirit, and he, of course, had heard of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but he didn't really know anything about it. And as D.O. Moody began to pray and to ask God to anoint him and baptize him with the Holy Spirit. He was in New York City preaching, and, uh, and as he was there, uh, he, was, uh, he felt the Holy Spirit of God coming upon him. And as he did, uh, he said he had to uh, take off and go to a friend's house. He said uh, there, the experience was so overwhelming that he, that he couldn't contain himself. And, uh, and he said that he had to pray to God to stop or else he was going to die. And they said that after that, D.L. Moody, when he would preach and maybe one person would get saved or two people would get saved, that 10 or 20 would be saved. It wasn't that his sermons had changed. It was not that his tactics or his message or his uh, operation had changed. What was it? It was just the Holy Spirit of God, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And here the Lord had a, a purpose for his church, and he had a purpose for his people here in Acts. And he said, listen, he said, the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. Why? Because they needed the Spirit of God in their life to accomplish the work that needed to be be done uh, as John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. You see, that was prophesied in Joel chapter 2. In Joel 2, verse 28, and it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams, your young men shall see visions. Uh, Acts 2, 17, and it shall come to pass in the last day, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And, and here, uh, when the Lord was telling them to go to Jerusalem and wait, he wanted them to receive that anointing. You know what? God still wants us to have his anointing. 
His church still needs his anointing. His pastors, his, his laymen, the leadership, the moms, the dads, every one of us need the anointing of the Holy Spirit of God. And we will not get it if we don't wait. We fill our life with so much busyness that we don't have time for God. We don't wait. What is there? There's obedience. The expectation is obedience. Secondly, patience. Patience. Back to Acts chapter 1, verse number 12. It says, then, they re- then returned they unto Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey. And when they were come in, they went up into an upper room where abode both Peter and James and John and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus and Simon uh, Zelotes and Judas the brother of James. You see, uh, the, they not only uh, went and obeyed to to go back to Jerusalem, uh, they went and they abode. They abode. They they were there. They were waiting. Uh, the apostles were there. They stayed there. Waiting is hard. Waiting is hard. Patience is waiting on God. Have you ever run ahead of God? You wanted something so bad and you run ahead of God, convincing yourself that this is what God wants, but it was really what you wanted. And then we want God to clean up the mess that we created. Waiting is hard. Waiting for His leading and His guidance. Not our own desires. Not our... not. Uh, out of necessity just to do something. Doing nothing is often less damaging than doing the wrong thing. Did you get that? Doing nothing is often less damaging than doing the wrong thing. Have you ever been in a spot where you felt, I just got to do something? Doing anything is better than doing nothing. But usually it works out backwards, doesn't it? You see, doing the wrong thing is almost is often less damaging than doing doing nothing is often less damaging than doing the wrong thing. What do we find? We find obedience. What do we find? Patience. What do we find? Continuance. Continuance. Wait, but don't stop. Go back to Acts chapter 1, look at verse 14. It said, These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. What was there? There was unity. There was unity. God wants unity. The devil wants division. God wants unity. Say, Pastor, you just hit something a little bit ago. You must not want unity. Just the opposite. The Bible says, smite the scorner and the simple will beware. 
It's Bible. So here when we, we look at this, these all continued with one accord. What, what is that? That's unity. Now take your Bibles, go to 1 Corinthians chapter number 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Unity. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse number 10. Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. For it hath been declared unto me of you, my brethren, by them which are of the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. Now this I say, that every one of you saith, I am of Paul, and I of Apollos, and I of Cephas, and I of Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? And of course the answer is no, no, and no. None of them, uh, it was not that Christ was not divided. Paul was not crucified for them. Uh, they were not baptized in the name of Paul. They were all baptized uh, into the body of Christ. They were all baptized uh, into Christ. And so uh, here, uh, he was saying that there was division uh, among them. Uh, and with that, those contentions, he, he was saying uh, that they should not have those contentions. And Paul was calling this out. He said, you should speak the same thing and that there should be no divisions among you. Speak the same thing. No division. Amen. No division. So that's what the Lord was wanting. And Paul here is giving that uh, directive. He said, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. And division is not of the Lord. The Lord wants unity. And he doesn't want you to be divided. And when people start choosing sides, there's division. Don't get caught up in the Facebook drama. Don't get caught up in it. Don't get, don't get sucked into somebody else's post. But you start listening to it, what happens? Then you start doubting. You start wondering. People start picking sides. But you've only heard one side. And division, uh, the Lord does not want division. Uh, is Christ divided? Of course, the answer is no. Uh, Paul, uh, he, he said, some said, I am of Paul, others of Apollos, others of Cephas, others, I am of Christ. And, you know, when we find ourselves dividing in camps, there's problems, especially within the church. Uh, that ought not be the case. Psalm 133, 1. Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. That's God's plan. Galatians chapter 3. Take your Bibles, go there. I know it'll be up on the screen, but get your Bibles. Galatians chapter 3, verse number 26. Galatians chapter 3, verse 26.
Galatians 3, verse 26. The Bible says, For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Neither is there Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for ye are all one in Christ Jesus. And if ye be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. There are differences, yet the Lord wants unity and he wants those differences to be uh, removed. Uh, He does not want those differences to be what is elevated. Uh, We are to all be one. Philippians chapter number 1. I'm sorry, Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, verse number 1. Philippians 2, 1. The Bible says, If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels of mercies, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. And so we find here that these believers, they were assembling and they were in one accord. Uh, They were uh, gathering together and they were in one accord. And with that, uh, it was uh, the the, the pleasing, it was pleasing to the Lord. Uh, Acts 1.14, these all continued with one accord. Now, when they were continuing in one accord or with one accord, they were continuing in prayer and supplication. In prayer and supplication, Acts 1.14. So prayer, uh, prayer is the need of the hour. It's the need of the hour. You know, spending time with the Lord takes care of all the other junk. It does. It just takes care of it. It just removes all of the, all of the, it removes the division. It, it removes the, the pressure of what everybody else is doing. Because when you're with the Lord, you don't care what anybody else is doing. You get close to, start getting closer to the Lord, what you find is how many things you've got to work on in your own life. You don't have time for anybody else's stuff. I'm amazed. I'll I'll see different uh, uh, tweets that will come out, and sometimes pastors will uh, know what somebody else is doing in somebody else's church, and they disagree with it, and so they'll post something about it. And I'm thinking to myself, man, who has time to monitor everybody else's churches? Who has, who has time to monitor somebody else? I mean, just what I deal with in my own life, I got my cup filled. You know, when we start looking outward, we cease to look inward. And when we're not looking upward, we definitely won't be looking inward. So here they continue. How were they in one accord? In prayer. They were one accord in prayer. You know, when you come before the Lord, there's no way to be vindictive. Why? Because God is forgiving. 
How can I be hateful to somebody and spend time with the Lord? It just doesn't go together. How can I try to have vengeance? It doesn't work. So prayer, it's the need of the hour, communication with God. Prayer is asking, and that's coming before God. Uh, So prayer, but then it was supplication. Supplication is selfless because that is coming before God on behalf of somebody else. There is no continuance without unity. These disciples, they continued, but they continued because there was unity. And when there is division, what do you find? You find that it fragments, it sidetracks, it injures. But without without unity, without unity and being unified, there will be no continuance. You know, as I look at this first chapter of the book of Acts and and coming up to the anointing of the Holy Spirit of God on these believers, uh, what did they find? They find that God was going to give them everything that they needed to be able to accomplish the plan that he had called them to. He had a plan for their life. And as we looked at this morning, God's plan is bigger. His plan is better. And, and as we are trying to serve the Lord, the only way we're going to be able to continue is if we are unified. Unity is vital. Say, Pastor, what do I need to do? Let go of any, let go of any strife. Proverbs 13.10 says, Only by pride cometh contention. Every argument, every fight, it's a result of pride. Brother Hiles used to tell us this. He said, Every marital problem would be dissolved if one of the two, the husband or wife, would just be a good Christian. Wow, that's convicting. So I'm still waiting for Mrs. Brown. (laughs) But what was it? Only pride is going to bring contention. It is the root. Division, the root of division is pride. And here, when we look at this, what do we find? We just find that, uh, that these apostles, we, these believers, these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. And with that, I'm telling you tonight that if they, with all of their differences and all of their different backgrounds, if they could all continue in one accord uh, in prayer and supplication, so can we. So can we. It's a different day, yes. But the same recipe works. It doesn't matter who is making it. If they follow the recipe, it's going to come out the same. And you and I, we've got this opportunity. We can wait. We need to wait on the Lord, but we can't stop. 
You see, as we went through this book, uh, what do we find? We find that the apostles, as they got back, they started looking and seeing, recognizing, okay, Judas, uh, he he was one of us. He was numbered with us. But now, by transgression, uh, he, has, he has been removed from us. And now they started saying, okay, well, we've got to keep on going. What has to happen? We need to, to get another apostle uh, to replace him. And what did they do? They went right through the process and they chose a, an apostle to replace Judas. Why? They were waiting on the Lord, but they weren't stopping. It wasn't that they were going to wait and do nothing. Uh, what, was it? what was it? It is we're going to wait for the Lord's leading, but we're going to keep on doing what he wants us to do. They were still in Jerusalem. There was still a mission that needed to be completed. There were still people that needed to be reached. Uh, There were still prayers uh, that needed to go heavenward. There was supplication that needed to go out for others. And these all continued. And in doing so, we find that the Holy Spirit of God was pleased. And he came down and anointed them for his work. We need the working of the Holy Spirit of God in our lives. Wait, but don't stop. Father, I pray that you'd help all of us tonight. Uh, Help us to continue. Uh, the path that you have for us. Help us to wait on your leading and direction. I pray that you would help us to see our great need for the anointing of the Holy Spirit of God in our lives. And I pray that you would work in our midst. I pray that you would help each one of our people. And so just work now, please. For Christ's sake, we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed our service. If you would like to hear more, visit our website at bbc4me.org. That's bbc, the number four, me.org. May God bless you.